header. Here is Mandrew. Sakon in position. Oh, what a goal! What a goal from Danny Mandrew! The shot comes in! Oh, what a screamer! This is the real heart of soccer, quite frankly. Oh my God, what a finish. Well, Jordan Flores met that on the meet. Hello there, and you're very welcome to LOI Arena, brought to you by Pundit Arena. This is episode 17, Con Murphy and Conan Byrne with you as usual. And our guest on the show this week is Chris Shields, formerly of Dundalk, now, of course, of Linfield, who've had a great week in Europe this week with a 4-0 win at home against Bosnian opponents. We'll be talking to Chris about that shortly. Um, it's a cup weekend, Conan, um, so no league matches, but some interesting cup matches and I think a uh, tie of the round. Well, there's no contest. Athlone and Waterford, what a game. I think like this game had absolutely everything, Con. Um, the two managers, Mark Bircham, who was a brilliant guest with us last week, was sent off along with at Lone Town's Adrian Carberry as well. All both were sent off over um, penalty decisions that went against their side. Um, Glenn McCauley, who had recently, um, only earlier on this evening, was um, announced as a signing um, from Shelburne, scores two penalties and an absolutely unbelievable fourth goal in the 123rd minute of extra time from the halfway line. Um, incredible, incredible stuff, but then... <laughs> Then to go and lose the penalty shootout then straight away. So, um, but incredible scenes. And like, if you take Waterford, for instance, 2-0 up, coasting, um, goals from Wordsworth and Griffin, I thought Junior was absolutely quality for Griffin's goal. Went by about three players as if they weren't there. And uh, Griffin with a great, with a fabulous, fin- fabulous finish. And then another signing that's kind of come in out of, out of absolutely nowhere, Greg Halford. And he scores his, 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 a last-minute goal to uh, equalise the game when that loan had come from 2-0 down to to be winning 3-2. And Halford scores with the last kick of the game to make it 3-all as well. So to put it into extra time. And um, you think then that when George Forrest scored, you think that this is written in the stars considering it's the owner's son that has scored the fourth goal for Waterford. Um, Another new mid-season signing from, um, from England. He was with Crawley Town. And as I said, the son of the owner and uh, little everybody just got walking back, running back to the halfway line and Glenn McCauley picks it up and sees uh, Matt Connor off his line and ping over his head, four all and into penalties. And then obviously um, Waterford win the game 4-2 on penalties. And do you know what, Con? I was actually delighted for Simon O'Gorman. It was um, the Extra Time reporter. It's his first game um, that he's covered in a very long time. And uh, he got to witness... Uh, one of the best League of Ireland games probably for a good few years anyway. So uh, fair play to Simon on a, on an incredible uh, incredible time. There won't be a, a better cup tie probably all season. Um, but very, I mean, heartbreaking for Athlone to, you know, come back the way they did, get that equaliser with the last kick, a Conan Byrne special from the halfway line, and then to go out in penalties uh, and... Heartbreaking. Oh, it is heartbreaking. But like Shane Keegan put up a tweet saying the two of the the maddest clubs over the last number of years um, put up uh, the craziest game that has happened in the last few years. It's uh, it actually it is incredible. And 
I said Waterford are, are riding high in the crest of a wave at the moment. They've had a miraculous run of uh, results and um, culminating in a 4-2 penalty shootout victory against Athlone. I know Mark would have been uh, pretty happy with a, a comfortable 2-0 scoreline which they were aiming for before Wordsworth was sent off. But then full credit to Athlone coming back from 2-0 down. Um, 3-2 Stephen Meany obviously was on the score sheet as well. And um, incredible finish, incredible. Really was just a, a brilliant spectacle. And again, like already the goal by Glenn McCauley is as um, we're speaking on Friday night just after the game. And already it's been um, it's been viewed thousands of times. So um, it's it's fantastic to see. It just gives a bit more profile to the league and the quality that's in it. Um, obviously, he hasn't had a great run at Shelburne, hasn't had a great run at Bohemians, hasn't had a great run at Pats. But he's got off to a great start with Athlone Town. And like I said before numerous times, it's the club that people go to in order to resurrect a career. And um, we've seen that so far with a number of players. And hopefully that can be the same with Glenn. Yeah, hat-trick on his debut. Not bad going, all right. Um, Shamrock Rovers, 2-0 winners against um, Galway United. It, it seemed, I haven't seen that game yet, but uh, it seems to have been relatively straightforward. Yeah, comfortable victory for Shamrock Rovers. Like, obviously, Galway are on a, are on a great run themselves. Uh, Connor Cairns um, was, in fact, trying to create a club record today if he had kept a clean sheet up until the 18th. I think it was the 18th minute i think julian canny a, a regular listener to the podcast he got in touch with me last week and he said that if he kept in a clean sheet up until the 18th minute it would have been a case of them uh, breaking a, a, a record it was the 17th minute that rory gaffney scored so <laughs> not, I- <laughs> not ideal um but yeah I th- as far as i know it was the 18th minute and then rory obviously scores in the 17th minute so not ideal for uh, connor cairns when you're when you're looking to break records but um yeah yeah it was either 18 minutes or 36 minutes gone i'm not 100 percent sure it might be might be might be actually one way or another he didn't yeah, quite he didn't, make it Came he close. didn't quite make it yeah which is disappointing but yeah. look it's a. Yeah. Uh, it's a great win for Shamrock Rovers, obviously, because as I said, those are tricky ties against people that are clubs that are riding high in the first division. And um, Jawfield, John, John, John Caulfield coming up to Tala, um look, he, he, it would be no easy game. But the fact that they scored the two goals in the first half made it a very, very comfortable uh, victory in the end for them. Uh, speaking of comfortable um, St. Pat's, 6-0 against uh, Bray. And maybe, again, that just shows the difference between the tippy-top of the Prem and, you know, a first division team. Yeah, I've said it before, Con. It, it, it's, it is big. Do you know what I mean? Those The, the teams that are, are doing really, really well at the top end of the Premier Division compared to the teams that are in the first division. Okay, there's a little bit of a... Um, smaller gap between the bottom end Premier Division and First Division but those top teams could really put any scoreline on the First Division clubs and Shamrock Rovers we just talked about there they were 2-0 probably could have been a lot more Pats obviously were ruthless in front of goal 6-0 Billy King with 2 um, Paddy Barrett with an absolute screamer Sam Bone 2 centre half scoring Ben McCormick as well um, great talent great up and coming um, talent and he would be a uh, I don't know if he'll be around the league for much longer, considering how um, how good he is as a as a footballer. I think a lot of clubs elsewhere will be coming in for him. 
But having said that, it was a, a fantastic professional victory for them in in, in Inchicore this evening. Uh, obviously, Bowes and Dundalk weren't in action because of their European games. <clears throat> and we'll talk about those European matches uh, after we have that chat with um, Chris Shields. But of the other games in the Cup tonight, um, any outstanding results for you or anything that, that kind of... Obviously, I mean, UCD beating Shells is a big win, I suppose. Yeah, UCD Shells. Do, do you know what I think, Con? I think Minute University Towns win over Malahide United. Malahide United won the uh, Lancer Senior League last year. Um and very, 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 very good side. Um, and I really thought that Malahoy could have, could have caused a few problems even to first division clubs this year. So for Minute University Town to win 4-0, um, Paddy O'Sullivan scored a hat-trick um, for them. I think that's a big victory for them. Also, Kilnamana, managed by Keith Foy, former Sligo Rovers, and, well, more famous, probably known for his exploits in the Irish underage system with uh, under Brian Kerr. He manages that team, but... Looking at the goal scorers tonight, Dean Clark with a brace, Gary McCabe scoring, Sean Byrne scoring. These are players that have played League of Ireland con, um, and they've got promoted last season to the and they're in the top top tier now of Leinster Senior League football. And with players like that in your squad, with the experience that they have, they may cause a few upsets. They bet St Kevin's boys four one away from home this evening, so that was a big win for them. Um, UCD beating Shells, Shells are unbeaten all uh, in in the league all season, um, and to, to and to to Beat them 2-0 this evening, Colin Whelan, Colin Whelan, who who was upended, not upended, he got a yellow card for stimulation just before, um, in the box, he dived. And then two minutes later, he, he scored a penalty himself. Um, so uh, I don't know whether the referee kind of felt bad or what, but Colin Whelan um, stepped up and put a, put a side 1-0 up. And um, Harvey O'Brien with the second as well. So great win for UCD. I think Shell's... I think this would have been a nice distraction for them, Con. Um, a lot of people might have said, right, they're concentrating on the league. And absolutely, that's what it is. But it's always nice to get a good cup run. And when I was with Shelburne back in 2011, that's what we we had. We had a brilliant, brilliant squad. We got promoted, obviously, with the, in, in that time. But we had a cup final to look forward to as well. And I think that the, the players would be terribly disappointed. They had, a good, they had a strong team out. It wasn't as if they didn't have a strong team. They rested one or two players. Um, but so they'd be very disappointed that to, to come away from the the ball with a two 0 defeat and out of the cup, um, and then I, I, I said that, uh, the last game of, of the evening. Now I know we're only talking, as I said on Friday, and I've bigged up Wexford a lot over the last number of weeks, and I know that they'll come good considering how um, how like that's just not that's talking to players that have, are players and managers that have played against them, and um, this result was coming. You know, we we talked about the other, the other week. Remember, there were four four. 3-1 and 4-2 up on Athlone. Um, they were 3-0 up after, at halftime against Cavantini this evening. And um, thankfully, they were able to keep a clean sheet. And I think that's the big thing that Ian Ryan will take away from the performance this evening is that clean sheet because they have conceded very, very silly goals. So they're in the ne- into the hat for the next round, which is going to be um, on Tuesday at half six on game on 2FM. So... Um, yeah, really interesting ties um, or games this evening. Obviously, at Lone Water will take will take all the the beating and ahead with all the games coming up tomorrow and Sunday. Um, but yeah, fantastic stuff. And Camille, are you doing that draw in for game on on, on Tuesday? No, no. Um, it was just announced uh, today that it was um, that it's going to be broadcast at, at yeah. half six, I think. Half six. On, yeah, I saw that on Twitter. Or... Yeah, on Tuesday. So. Um, 
yeah, that'll. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it though, Con, because it's. Uh, there's, as I said, I'm really interested to see who Kill the Man I get because they, uh, like Connor Canna plays them as well. They have a, a really, really good side. So yeah, it's going to be uh, an, an interesting run if they kind of get a, a first division team. I think they could cause them problems. Well, look, um, my Wi-Fi is a bit dodgy in this um, hotel room in Tokyo at the moment. I think I'm actually using Nextdoor's Wi-Fi at the moment. So if there's a little bit of break up, apologies for that. Um, <clears throat> let's have a chat with Chris Shields and we talk, as I say, about those European games uh, after Chris. Um, so uh, myself and Conan just caught up with Chris there um, this evening. And um, I started off by asking him how he's getting on. But you'll hear it anyway. Here's Chris Shields. So, Chris, um, first things first, I have to say congratulations. Great win in Europe during the week, 4-0 against Bora Banyaluka of um, Bosnia. And I suppose going into that game, I mean, they look like a serious outfit. So a 4-0 win is probably better than you could have expected. Yeah, so it's, um, given my experience in Europe, it was uh, quite surreal, really, how we played and everyone from the management and right through the 1-11 and subs that came on really knew their part and we really did set up well and I did seem quite shell-shocked when we did hit them early and kept on going at them and defended well when we needed to defend, you know, because given the previous round, they almost knocked out Cluj, who were very well in the European established side, so we were expecting a right game, but I just think everything on the night went so perfect for us and we were just brilliant from everyone involved in it. And overall, how are you settling in there? Yeah, it's been an easy enough transformation. Uh, didn't know anyone going in to the move, which is kind of rare. Even going up north, you might know one or two. But I knew the manager a small bit. That was about it. But uh, now it's been a very handy transition. Great group of lads and probably helped. One of my first trips with them was the away leg in Lithuania. And you get to know people on them. European trips, as you know, Conan, like it's... Uh, it seems two or three days, it seemed like a week on them things. So it was a good way of kind of embedding myself within the group. Were you surprised by the quality of the players that Linfield have? Um, yes and no, I suppose. I've watched a lot of the league up here over the past year, given the coverage on BBC and where I live. I have just, just a keen in, interest because it was on my doorstep. But I'd seen, but for me, I felt the league now is the strongest it's been in a long, long time. I'm sure you might agree. Uh, I've seen the likes of Jordan Stewart, Cork Miller, uh, very impressed with young Trey Hume, the right back who's been linked with all sorts of moves at the minute. But now I'm um, kind of yes and no without being disrespectful, but now the quality's definitely there. And obviously, playing in such a, a beautiful stadium such as Windsor Park every second week, every second Saturday, that's sure to interest you even further. Absolutely brilliant. The pitch has been relayed for the Super Cup that's coming up in August. So it was like a carpet last night and the same last week um, in the Champions League qualifier. It's, you know, having played in Oriel Park on the on the Astro for 10 years, it's a, it's a welcome change. Mind you, Oriel Park is a beautiful stadium as well, isn't it? Yeah, the beautiful backdrop into that backfield where we train for grassy weeks or the, the nice smell of hops from the brewery I do miss it um, The move um, was an attractive move for you Chris but at the same time having had so many happy days at um, Dundalk was there any pause for thought about staying or was were you always going to move? I felt for me 
I think this move was always going to happen this coming January, regardless. Just I, I probably in my mind, I felt it was the right time, uh, right age. I feel I have a fair few years left in me and I would like to, you know, kind of go on and win things and help establish like, the way Linfield expect you. But obviously it was definitely hard to leave Dundalk, been there for 10 years, doing so well as we had, having so many friends that they go beyond football, my wife having friends with, with their girlfriends. It's it's deeply rooted within my family. You know, I was, I've told lots of people, my me, me mother and father actually only went up last weekend because, you know, they love it. So it wasn't just solely myself in the decision nearly, but yeah. uh, it was definitely hard, but I am reaping the rewards now. I'm, I'm loving being home, so close to home with the kids and, you know, it's 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 nice being around from your wife as well, but it was it was definitely our decision. Was it just the fact that you wanted a new challenge, Chris, or was it a case that you were starting to become disillusioned with life at Dundalk? Um, no, that's a hard question, I suppose. I did, it did kind of hit home when I generally started to get excited about the move when when the deal was signed, and this was definitely happening. Like I haven't had that for nine ten years like anyone in any job like sometimes change is just that bit excitement that you need in life and I haven't had that not to say it was gone stale at Dundalk it was just this move suited right time right age right everything to go and the excitement began to take over of maybe how like not poorly but not how well as I would have liked in my last year at Dundalk to go when Vinny came in did he try and stop you um, unfortunately for him everything was sorted and signed and sealed because he more or less said to me I probably wouldn't have let the move happen but he, being Vinny we'd known each other for so long he said look I wouldn't have let it happen but I'm genuinely happy for you I know what it means for you and your family side and stuff but he obviously has his manager's cap on and he wouldn't have liked him to see me go but he was he was very kind with his words for me after and, and how he let me go and you know how he dealt with me. Like some managers could come in and see that I'm a way off and like I'm not in the squad, but Vinny played me right up to the end, which was obviously brilliant for me and the best way to go out. Gary Rogers was saying elsewhere that one of the reasons that he left was that things kind of were sort of falling apart a bit um for for a spell there at um Dundalk. Was that the feeling that you had as well? Um, I see. I see what he said, and I get what he's saying. It, de- it definitely isn't the club we signed for, and we had the, the, these phenomenal, great times. With. But to be fair, that's football. That happens behind the scenes at clubs a long time. It's the owners have changed, but the the ethos of the club hasn't really changed. There's still a lot of great people involved with the club. Some things have changed. Maybe they haven't gone for the better, but. It is a different aura around the dog, but that's where I think Vinny's come in. He's done well. He's, he's definitely steadied the ship. You've seen the performances in Europe, uh, talking to a few lads about last night. I, I think they'd be confident going to Estonia next week. And who knows, without Vinny kind of getting the lads in around them, that mightn't happen again. What has gone wrong, do you think, Chris? I'm not going to dwell on this for too much longer, but what, what do you think has gone wrong at Dundalk? Maybe the lack of lack of stability around the manager side of it. You know, if you look at it in realistic terms, Vinny was unfortunate to learn. It was, it was harshly uh, 
I don't even want to say sacked, but he actually lost his job last August and it's taken this long to come around with a new manager and it's Vinny again. Whereas had Vinny been in charge for all that time, who knows what would have happened. And that's no disrespect to Filippo and Sebi because I love me time. They were great people and they were good for me in, in different parts uh, of learning different things in my career. And you know, I've done with Jim as well when he was there. You, you pick things up off different managers, but you go all that way around the manager around you have to come back where you started. It just kind of makes you question what was the point. Yeah, I, I think um, Filippo endeared himself, I think, to the, the media at the start. Um, he had a very uh, sort of endearing personality, for the want of a better word. But it was when he was appointed, I, I assume the players must have kind of looked at each other and said, what, uh, who? Yeah, unfortunately, that was this. The whole the whole League of Ireland community had the same opinion, saying, who are these two lads coming in? Us as successful players given the high standards we set for ourselves all of a sudden we had an era is two Italian lads coming in from an academy in New York and that's the idea we had when they came in but the time by the time they left we, we you know we, we gained two good friends and two good football people that you know helped us get into Europe again and helped us win another cup so it was it was a pleasant surprise for everyone and I'm sure their credentials have only risen from that and it's no more than they deserve because like you said they were endearing folks they sucked you in and you know they were really good and lovable people Any word on what they're doing nowadays? Uh, Giuseppe was doing his A licence I know he stepped away from the club and Filippo the last I had heard he was kind of in amongst the kind of directors director of football role for a Serie B side now I don't know what's come with that and maybe still a bit of work to do but that was the last because he does he is an eye for talent and a, a way of working with people which would probably suit him. I probably know the answer to this question, uh, Chris, but was it difficult to main, maintain a sense of professionalism when all, when all of this was going on? Obviously, you're getting a lot of talk from outside sources and a lot of people talking about your club. How do you manage that as a leader within your dressing room? It's, it, was, it was very difficult to spell. You know, we were near having crisis meetings after any bad result which became frequent enough which was unknown to us as a, as a core group of players but the, you'd roll back in on the Monday and you try and be positive because if you keep being negative you, it's only going to go one way so it was hard in a sense but you had no choice but to write it out and we, their problem was we were so inconsistent because I, I remember the free week before, near before the, before the break so we went beat Shamrock Rovers and Oriel, which wasn't expected. Went, got hammered by Boas on the Monday, then went to Inchicore and, and beat Pats being probably a better team. So it was hard to put our finger on what was going wrong when you could pull these, you know, good results out of the bag and have such poor, horrible results the, the week after. And now with, the, with, I don't know if you've seen, with, you mentioned Oriel Park earlier on, there's a, a new stadium and facilities redevelopment group set up um, in the hope to look into the future of Oriel Park and to try and get a possibility of a new stadium. How, how, how was it for you to be playing in such a, look, let's call it, say it's bad, a poor infrastructural stadium? It was hard. It was, well, not hard. It just when you come to what we became accustomed to, you know, having to move a European game to Tala and seeing how well we could play in Tala, going into group stages twice in your lifetime, playing these unbelievable stadiums and you having to move constantly, 
people having to travel to my home matches 90 kilometers down the road you know this was these should have been the alarm bells ringing in 2016 when we seen the potential what we could do with a group of players unfortunately it took so long to even get interest today that I didn't read the statement I've been busy all day I'll probably get a chance to read the statement this evening but the fact that there's an inkling that something might happen in the ground is only going to benefit the club like the the club might want to hear it, but every player in the dressing room would say first and foremost the pitch has to come up, get a grass pitch in, and you would see. Even when we were playing poorly, if we had had a grass pitch, I would say we would have got out with a better result more often than not. Because when the sun's on on the Astro, and it's, this sounds like a silly excuse, but I'm sure any player from playing away game would agree. If there's any sort of heat or you know any moisture in the pitch is gone and it becomes a leveler for no disrespect that a lesser opponent to come up and sit in, snap to draw, catch a goal on the break. The contrast with um, the facilities at Windsor Park, I did the uh, United Union uh, Cup final up there last season and it's just such an impressive place to go. But apart from the, the stadium itself, even the training facility and everything, from the player's point of view, it must be great. Oh, it's, it's brilliant and unfortunate for for myself but the dog it's chalk and cheese you know it's a fantastic setup in Linfield and it's it's a huge drawing point for players going to sign for Linfield obviously the club itself the demand for success but the facilities they provide the, the, your home every home your home game is in Windsor Park your training facilities just outside in Midgley Park that has its own you know 4G setup gym training rooms and then you see a lot of uh, a lot of planning permission, a lot of changes in the in the Irish League this year. Colrain getting a new pitch, Cliftonville getting a new pitch. Colrain possibly getting infrastructure improved around the new pitch after they put it down. So you know it's positive movements up here. Regards to grounds, you see the the work that the Lion owner has put in. They've they've just finished their third stand to the ground, and you know a lot of clubs are doing that at the minute. Like, I suppose in terms of your own personal journey as a football player, um, how did you become so good? <laughs> I've actually been asked this. I was on with Shane Keegan doing his podcast, and he, he asked me as well because you probably play against me, Conan, when I was young, and I was raw as, and I was like, you would never say I had a certain good attribute. And I would have to say, like, because I didn't grab, I wasn't one for grabbing bag of balls and staying out the train and working on things. I think I learned by doing the, the sheer volume of games. I was lucky enough to play a lot, a lot of games from a young age. I wasn't really and stayed in until I left. Same story with the dark joined at 21 and was a first team player until I left. I think I'm just a generally one of the lucky ones. I got to play first team football flat out and training with better players obviously was a big part of it and I uh, had a lot of them in the dock and you either get up to the standard or you're left behind and I got up to the standard and was with it till, till I left so I think it was, it's just one of them things But it's, it's, The thing that's fascinated me about it is that you've only kind of in the last three to four years have you been singled out as being a really really good player when in fact it would have been around 20, probably around 2013 I thought we're starting to see the Chris Shields that you probably would have seen at 2015, 2016. It was just the case that the other players were starting, were getting a lot more credit than you were. Did that spur you on like to get that recognition um, that you received in the last few years at Dundalk? 
Um, Look, any individual kind of accolade you get is is nice as a push, but I was always happier with the team. I was always love, and I love being part of a good team. Like you said, was that it was probably in the latter of twenty thirteen where I generally locked down. Look, that's my position. Stephen, that Stephen said, that's your position. You're the six or the defensive midfielder." And obviously, I could tackle and run, and I was fitting so like that. But then the ball playing came with it as well. Whereas before that, I was quite a utility player. I could have some weeks I could have been playing right over midfield for Bray. Next week I was playing centre half. Then I was back in the middle, and the other time I was up front. So I think generally coming with locking down a position helped me develop as a player as well. Once you understand your role, and generally just keep on improving, and that was kind of the case for myself. And like you said, I had players like uh, Daryl Horgan, Patrick McElhenney, uh, Richie Tell. Like I was in direct competition with Stevie O'Donnell for a position for a lot of me dark career while he was there so that didn't help but so to kind of gain in a few individual accolades is always nice to look back on after my time there How much of an influence was um, Stephen Kenny? Um, yeah for, for all of us he was he was you can see he's not where he is by a stroke of luck you know he, he I, that's, I always when he went in with the 21s I knew he'd do well with the 21s it's because of how well he works and identifies with the young players in developing them filling them with confidence and you know improving them as footballers and you know we obviously had a, a rocky start with the the, for, the the senior team and hopefully it's torn the corner but for me he was, was a great you know he would all including myself all my lot to our careers you know great man manager great team manager just a great out and out manager and you know we had players willing to win and willing to go through brick walls from and that's where we earned a lot of our success Is that why he was so good? Was his man management just perfect? His man management was to a T because he knew what he could say to some players and he knew that he couldn't say something to some players, you know, he knew a lot of them would need a hug and a cuddle and tell them they're great and their belly rub. And then there was the, the collective few on the hand that needed to rock it up the hole and he knew that some players would go out and do things and meet nearly of them because he would give them that much of a hard time. But that's the understanding of players that he had. One question, I know we're getting on a little bit here, but who was the best player that you've ever played with, Chris? Best player I played with, would, I would have to be Hogs, Daryl Horgan. It's remembering just in 2016 when we were out on our asses, coming towards the end of the year, we're playing in Europe and we were playing nearly every three three days. Like the game plan, if it was going anyway, Roy would be get the ball to Hogs and he'll do something. And he was he was that good that year that he more often than not he did it. I know I lived with him for two or three years in the dark and I seen how hard he worked and how well he lived his life and it was no surprise how well he was doing but to see like I would like to see him kick on again obviously Wickham didn't have a great year but you'd love to see him get a run in games and get a move because anytime I see him for Ireland he's he's I will it's probably I, I don't want to be biased but I would say he's our most creative player when he plays so I'd like to see that even go forward again because I know how hard he works off the pitch was it true that he used to grab a bag of balls even like in, in when he was living with your... I don't know where he was living with you, but I've heard rumours that he was grabbing bags of balls when he, on his days off and going down to the training ground and practising different things? He could do, but it would be if it was working for him that exact week because he was quite superstitious. 
there was a period when we were going well in 2014 when he first signed for us. He'd have a bag of the minstrels and it worked to an extent. I think we lost in Bray and the minstrels were out the fucking window. But <laughs> before, I think two weeks before that when I was working, O'Donnell and Higgins hid the bag of minstrels on him and you could hear him going around downstairs slamming presses looking for them because he was thinking, if I don't have these, it's going to go to pot tomorrow. <laughs> well, he must have had them more often than not because he, he was brilliant um, with Dundalk. And, and, and as I say, as you say, um, for Ireland, he's been, I think, yeah, in, in recent games, he's been absolutely tremendous. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you, um, Chris, was, um, and it's going, it's slightly tangential, but um, was there any question in your mind when the move to Linfield came up just about the, the situation? Obviously, things are better now than they were a couple of decades ago, but like for a player from the South to, to join Linfield in those days was quite controversial. How is it now? No, I never had a, a doubt in my mind. I think them days are kind of gone a bit. You know, there's a I'm one of two dubs now. Did you play with Connor Pepper when he was young? Connor no, I didn't. But I played against him obviously when he was up there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I forget that. Yeah, well, Connor's there. He's from Port Marnock and myself of uh, a few lads, a few English lads. I think that that way of being a Catholic boy from the south going playing for Linfield looked down upon. I think that's gone a bit. I think they kind of. If you're going to play and do well and give 100%, that's all they got. Like any football fan, I suppose, is that's all they ask for now. But now it was always kind of the, the big move in my mind that after the dark, I was only going to go kind of one place. And it was definitely up here. And I, I, more often, like in my head, I, I, did, I would be going to Linfield. And of course, Pat Fenn is involved at the club um, as, as um, I don't know what his official title is, kind of general manager. Um, so I, I presume you have fairly yeah. close contact with him. Oh, yeah, I speak to Pat. He just to be around the ground every day and obviously be coming on the force of him at the minute. He has to kind of organise the away European trips and he says it's it's hard, hard work during the COVID times and that. Mm -hmm. But I think he's, he's generally enjoying the role, probably stepping away from the management part to the general run of the football club. My final question to you, Chris, what's, what's, what's the goal for, for yourself over the next year, two years? To continue on as I was in the South. It's a goal for mine to 100% win the league here. It's expected of Linfield. I'm sure you've seen from your time up here, there's expected to win things. And so that suits me kind of. But to do, to try and win every trophy available, Antrim Shield, League Cup, Cup and League is at the as it stands of three years to try and do it and try and wrap it up in one or two would be nice. But continue on winning, continue enjoying me football, enjoy being closer to home with the family and but well, the football things don't change, you know, keep trying to win and things. more thing actually you're actually you're obviously playing alongside somebody that probably is more decorated in terms of medals than yourself and Jamie Mulgrew. How does that how, how does that feel? Yeah, it's cool. We're actually we live in the same town up here. We, I would have bumped into Jamie in about the in about town. You know, actually see him more often than not in you know play parks. I'd be bringing my kids, and he'd be bringing his kids. So I've I've had, I've talked to him before, and you know, I chatted to him at the United Unions and stuff. But 
if if anyone was to go to any league and kind of matches is the stuff he's won is phenomenal. I think he's up to seven or eight leagues, six or seven cups, and and then the rest of the league cups and entered field. So he's the kind of benchmark for people in the Irish league, and he's a good captain and a, a good guy around the dressing room as well. Listen, Chris, uh, continued uh, success. I know it's early days in your Linfield career, but certainly from a European perspective, things are going great. Uh, best of luck in the second leg uh, out in Bosnia. And um, we'll talk to you again soon. Great talking to you on the uh, podcast today. Thanks a million for coming on. Really appreciate it. That's great to see uh, Chris doing so well at uh, Linfield and continued success to them. Great result in Europe. And as I say, we'll talk about Europe in a second, Conan, but just a quick word about it. We were talking before um, we chatted with Chris there about the FAI Cup this weekend. And there are obviously, we're talking ahead of, there are still a few games to be played because of European involvement of Dundalk and Bowes. Um, and when you look at those fixtures, how do they stand up for you? Yeah, obviously just the all the all Premier Division clash between Drada and Derry. Um, and I know when people listen to this, they'll know the result. Um, so I'm not going to really dwell into it too much or delve into it too much. But um, it'll be interesting to see Longford play Bangor as well. Um, David O'Sullivan, the former Longford player who was prolific for, for Longford in, in uh, Bishop's Gate or when he played from the City Calling Stadium. Um, and yeah, so he's coming by, He's uh, coming up against his former side. So that'll be a very, very interesting to see how he gets on. Um, against Longford, and then on, and then on Sunday we'll we'll have Clester on the Kearney against Usher Celtic, and um, Usher Celtic have a really really good side. They're a junior side, con, um, but they uh, they'll they'll be up against it against Clester, and um, then you have Crumlin v Moctis. So a lot a, a lot of non-league sides facing off each other, facing off against each other, and I think they'll be delighted with that because it gives them an opportunity to to, to progress through a couple of rounds. Um, Liffy Wanderers play Cove Ramblers, Treaty play Dundalk. I think that would be a very, 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 very big test for Dundalk considering how Treaty are doing um, at the markets field. So uh, that'll be a big, big test for them. College Corinthians play Bowes. And probably the probably the second probably tie of the round would be Sligo Cork. Um, obviously, I wouldn't call it, would I call it the tie with this? The, Probably not, actually, no, because it should Under be... Under normal circumstances, yeah, you would. Probably, that's it. But, but it should be a comfortable victory for Sligo um, playing at home. So, yeah, you could, you'd fancy Sligo to come out on top in that game. So, yeah, it's. I think that the main fixtures were, were Friday night's fixtures. Um, the, the, I, I, the only banana skin probably that you could see would be um, Bangor away at uh, Longford and Treaty at home to Dundalk. And you might probably wouldn't have said, said that very regularly either, um, given Dundalk's prior successes in this competition um, but I think the way Treaty are playing um, they might put it up against them and, and Dundalk will they play a full strength team? Definitely not um, so, yeah so um, yeah it'll be be interesting ties coming up yeah, and, and Bowes likewise would probably rest a lot of players after their European exploits. I mean, great week for Bowes to win away from home in Luxembourg. Um, albeit it was a hard enough match to uh, watch, but thanks to John O'Connor for filming it on his mobile phone. Uh, it's not exactly 2021, but it, um, it was a great result for them nevertheless. Yeah, and, and obviously John O'Connor had to go to the um, to use the restroom at one stage, so he had to pass his phone, um, well, not his phone, he had to give the, the job to Bodge, and uh, he did that for a little while. Then his phone wasn't working at all. It was static, and I think somebody was calling it a Nokia 3210 at one stage, and uh, 
then then the COO of the club, Daniel Lambert, took over. Obviously, I'm sure he got he was busy at, um, with various things. So when John O'Connor finally made it out of the restroom, it was uh, back to back to Chippy, and um, he won a job. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And as as I tweeted the other night, he gave a, a he was the man of the match for uh, for us all. I think on on the day. But look, the performance itself, Con, to go away from home and to win as again again, it's I'll be selfish here. It's great for our coefficient. Um, raises it a bit, raises us up. I think it's three places. I think we were forty six. Now we're up to forty third. People mightn't think that's much, but look, it's it's only a week, and we've gone up a, um, a few space, a few places, which is great. And um, Ross Tierney as well, like he's himself and and Dawson Devoy are are just putting their names in lights every single week with their performances. And although a lot of people have been talking about Dawson Devoy's pass for the goal. I do think the run by Ali Coot was better than the pass. Yeah, I um, saw your tweet. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I, I just didn't get the recognition that it deserved. You know, it was a um, like he obviously like that's why it's and as a wide player, that's probably why I'm probably want to give him more praise than probably what he's getting because you you try those runs quite a lot during a game and either midfielder doesn't see it, picks a different pass, fearful of probably giving the ball away. But when you time that run the way Ali did to absolute perfection, um, and the ball is delivered on, on on a sixpence as well, to be fair to, to Dawson, it just makes the goal like so good, you know. And um, like I actually sc- scored a very, I wouldn't say a similar goal, but it was against the Zalgiris back in 2013. It was my only European goal, actually. And Greg Bulger did a similar pass. I made a run out a bit inside. I didn't go inside the fullback. I went outside the fullback, but he didn't track it. And um, it was a similar enough. I clipped the ball over the keeper and I got absolutely buried. I actually didn't even see the ball going in, into the net because I was polex on the ground. But um, it's just, it's, it, I don't think wide players do it enough these days. Um, it's all this possession based and they're just waiting for the ball to get at the feet and all. But when you go, when you drive inside a fullback the way Ali Coot did, um, it's, it's, you, you can't defend it. You literally can't defend it because you're going too fast and it's just a, it's a recovery run and you're just trying to get back. Um, so it was a wonderful goal and obviously he got Pollocks by the keeper and Ross Tierney was able there to to finish it off. So um, brilliant win, brilliant performance, defensively absolutely superb. Mentioned Kieran Kelly last week. He was absolutely immense given of what I was able to see on um, on the phones. But uh, yeah, it was a brilliant, brilliant result. And... I'm not going to say, like I said last week, I fancied them. I did because obviously Fala Esch capitulated against um, the Lincoln Red Imps from, um, really? from Gibraltar, yeah. And um, so I, that's why I kind of suspect the Bows that I fancied them a little bit. But after seeing Doodle Launch, they're a good side con and um, Bows will need to be at their best. They put them under a lot of pressure in those last 10, 15 minutes. And um, but they defended. I was thinking that, um, like with the the one nil away, I think people are are already putting bows into the next round, and I'm worried when I hear that. I kind of think there's still a second leg to play here, and they need to be right at it. And we've got to remember, there's no away goals. You know, it would have been great, obviously, if the if if bows had if the in this type of situation, obviously for Dundalk's, it's 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 great that there's no away goals, but for bows, they probably would like to to be away goals. Um, but look, it's. It is, uh, it is what it is, as as um, as Bucko, Liam Buckley always says, and we just go from here. 
it's Aviva next Thursday, sell out again within what was it, 90 minutes again. Um, so phenomenal um, achievement by Bohemians to be able to do that. 8,000 spectators in the Aviva next week cheering them on. We saw last week that it's it's not going to, um, the players aren't going to be distracted by that. It kind of, it gives them a little bit more confidence. And um, yeah, I'm still optimistic that they'll go through. I just cautiously optimistic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, it comes back to something I think you said to me ages ago um, with the redevelopment of Dalyman Park that um, in a way it's a pity that the capacity of the stadium isn't going to be a bit bigger because when you look at the way they're selling tickets at the moment, now I know they're kind of riding on the crest of a wave, but there is potential there for growth and it could be that Daily Mount actually mightn't be big enough for the support base. Yeah, but I, even even at that con, I think you like they're riding on the crest of a wave. I don't think that's why they're gaining they're they're gaining the fans that they're gaining. Um like they were I'm not going to say they were struggling in the league, but they were relatively mid-table side and they were selling out Daily Mount. So um I I, I wouldn't have said it that just because that they're do, doing well they're they're selling out Daily Mount or they're doing well at the Aviva. I still think that they would, considering the members that they've gained and the, the work that they're doing in the community um, is absolutely fantastic. I've, I've mentioned that here in the last number of years. Um, but having said that, yeah, it's 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 great to see. And you're, you're talking about the, the, the redeveloped Daily Mount. I'm sure that they might be thinking to themselves, geez, God, could we have put added in another two, 3,000 seats in there? Yeah. Um, but look, if they re, if they get this data the redeveloped daily now sorted it'll be a, a wonderful venue and wouldn't you like to see a packed house every week rather than maybe a few empty seats from here and there so um yeah and when when they demand is demand for season tickets exactly. and exactly. yeah yeah, yeah listen you mentioned Dundalk there um they've drawn 2-2 at home um but with no away goals Chris himself said earlier on that he fancies Dundalk still have a good chance of going through. I, I think they have a good chance of going through as well. Um, but uh, a tricky tie, nevertheless. Of course it is. And I have to be honest, they're going to miss Chris. And they're, they're, they are missing him um, in that central midfield ro- role. Um, look, it's never nice to see a player getting criticised by his own fans in, in, in Zahibo. Um, it's not nice to see... Um, and it's not nice as a as a professional footballer to receive that abuse from your own from your own supporters. It's it's really not nice. Um, I know he's come with a, a big, a lot of baggage in the sense that he's played at top clubs, um, getting an MLS All Star twenty eighteen. Um, so yeah, you're expecting a lot more from him. It doesn't it doesn't entitle um, supporters to to boo your own player. Um, it's certainly not going to give him much confidence going forward, where the player and the club need it. They need your, they need the support, and um, that was just a, a slight disappointment um, from the other night. It's never nice to see um, somebody getting booed by your own fans. And um, look, he didn't particularly. Look, I'm not de- not denying that he had a poor game. He did. He's. Um, I think that he might. His confidence is certainly dashed anyway, and that's not just because of the fans. His confidence, he just seemed to he played with a with, with a lack of confidence. And um that was just a bit he just needs to work work on his game and then he'll come back. It always does. Class always cream always rises to the top and he's he is a very, very good player. Yeah. Do you fancy them to go through? Sorry, you asked me that, Jeez, I'm going off on a tangent here. Um 
No, but uh, actually, what you had to say to was to important through, because um, I think it is interesting. I do, Colin. Uh, and I, I suppose the fact that he's on a big wage as well is something that is reflected by the supporters because they see a guy earning big money and not performing on the pitch. And that's where that anger or that, that discontent comes from. But um, yeah, at the same yeah, time, like, I'm not sure doing your own player is ever going to do any good. Ultimately. That's my point. That's my point. That's, that is 100% my point. That like Obviously, you were, you're expecting more from him. But I guarantee you that he expects more from himself as well. And it's just not happening for him at this time. Um, it's not a case where he's just... I, I can never see a player just coming over, playing for a top team like Dundalk, playing European football, where a lot of clubs might be looking at you. If you're looking to get out of a club, I'm not saying he is, but you're not going to put in a poor performance in order to do, to to move on. You know, He's going to put in his, his all. It just didn't happen for him. And... I know there's talk about lack of work rate and, and different things, but um, when you when you're down in confidence, your whole game is affected. And yeah, you probably should say, well, the least you could do is is give your all. But sometimes it doesn't work out that way. Anyway, go back to your question, Con. Um, we are. Uh, do I fancy them to go through? Yes, I do. I think there's enough quality in 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 in, in the squad. They missed Michael Duffy immensely. I would have said uh, the other night, but. The, the will patching was absolutely brilliant. Daniel Kelly was brilliant for, for, for the goal and a wonderful finish. I don't think it was given enough praise considering um, the skill and technique involved in, in that particular strike. And uh, McMillan, Davy McMillan again, another goal for him in Europe. Puts him up to 13 now, isn't it, for in European competition. Phenomenal record. Phenomenal. And um, yeah, I do see Plenty them. room for him to extend that goal scoring record in Europe as well. Absolutely, absolutely, and um, obviously Pat Huben is is still struggling from the effects of of um, COVID, and um, we'd uh, we'd like to see him getting back onto the pitch as well because with him in the side and especially with uh, when you need a goal, um, there's no problem, there's no better man at the um, in League of Ireland, I suppose, that you'd pick to score a goal than Pat Huben. So um, you need him, you need him back fit as well, even though. Davy Mack is doing a, a, a great job. But yes, I do see them progressing next week. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, fingers crossed for Dundalk. Um, and obviously, Shamrock Rovers get a bye in this round, so they will be through to the third round as well. It's looking good for Linfield, looking good for a couple of the teams from uh, North of Ireland, actually. So, yeah, Larnett, there should be plenty of European good. interest. Yeah, yeah, it was a sorry, great yeah. win, wasn't it? Brilliant win. But now they conceded a late goal. Um, they were playing AGF, and um, again, former former dirty man Davy McDade, and I think Dean Jarvis scored as well. Um, obviously, a former Dundalk player, right. if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So yeah, um, brilliant, um, brilliant result for Larn. Obviously, they conceded very very late in the day, um, but with Linfield winning four 0 as well, it's just it's absolutely brilliant. So um, yeah, onwards and onwards and upwards. Oh, listen, there's great. I, I still think there's great potential for an all Ireland league. I know that's a discussion for another day because I have a bus to catch in about ten minutes to the canoe place. But, um, but it is, it is, uh, you know, the the even when Chris was talking about the facilities being improved in the north and stuff. I mean, the the, the top teams from the north, top teams from the south. I I think it would be fantastic, you know. But as I have to say, it's a it's a it's a longer chat for another day. Now, before um, no, you're you're just gonna wrap up now. But I know you have to catch a bus. But I need to ask you how the week has gone, Con. You've obviously started your commentating in in the uh, for the Olympics. How's how's your first few days been? 
Yeah, my first match um, was a, a 13 goal thriller, uh, Zambia against the Netherlands, the women's uh, team and Netherlands won 10-3 and their potential gold medalists. I mean, they were beaten in the World Cup final by the USA, but the USA lost their first match and are looking maybe like this might be one tournament too far for some of them. You know, just the age profile is much older than most of the other teams. So I think the Netherlands will be there or thereabouts. I think the women's tournament is going to be really good, actually. Um, and then we were at the uh, Tokyo Stadium for Mexico against France and Mexico won that 4-1. So I've had I've done two games so far and uh, what's this, uh, five, 18 goals, an average of nine goals a game. <laughs> Um, and I've two more games um, today: China against Zambia again. I'm doing them and the women's, and then um, New Zealand against USA in the women's. So that'll be interesting because um, it's a match that the USA have to win. So basically, I'm doing <clears throat> a combination of football and then uh, canoe slalom as well, which gets underway this weekend. So we're uh, going out to check the venue there. The only thing about the canoe slalom. You can spare a thought for me. Um, the commentary position is is at the end of the the run, um, but it's exposed. There's no overhead cover, um, so I I'm gonna get it. It'll be a double whammy. It'll either be sunny and ridiculous. I mean, I know it's been hot in Ireland. It's so hot here. It's like 32, 33, 34 degrees. So you'd be sitting exposed in that sunshine for a few hours, or the alternative you can do it is suntan come. Uh, <laughs> well i'll tell you what 10 minutes in that sun i've been using factor 50 10 minutes in that sun and i'd be like a, a strawberry but um there is a bit of a the edge of a typhoon coming in this direction as well in the next few days so i think the alternative is that it's going to absolutely lash rain which won't prevent the canoe slalom from going ahead so we still have to do it and you know me and my lovely notes and all my colored pens and everything. <laughs> Ten minutes in that rain and my notes will be like Weetabix, you know, the, the, they'll be unreadable. Um, so I'm a bit worried about that. But uh, apart from that, everything is going great. It's it's. I know there's a lot of um, question marks about these Olympic Games, the shutdown in Tokyo and all that kind of stuff. And the local population are not absolutely enamored with the games going ahead but i think as it starts even with the opening ceremony last night um i get the feeling that you know once they win a medal or two people will get caught up in the emotion of it and i know even back in ireland there's huge expectation of the irish teams and excitement about how they're going to perform and you know we've a lot of medal potential so um i mean we did the match the other night in the stadium the the mexico uh, France game, no, no fans at all, and it is you know fifty thousand seater stadium, completely empty with the exception of you know a few media. Um, On BBC, so I believe, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, my, my commentaries are going out to one hundred and seventy different countries. Um, oh God, help! God, I know. <laughs> what did they do to deserve that? Um, <laughs> But it's kind of a bit daunting because, you know, when you're normally commentating to an Irish audience, it's the, the numbers are small enough, I suppose. Um, but suddenly you're, you know, broadcasting to millions and millions of people. And I suppose it's a bit like you when you're a player, you know, the difference between playing a, a league match and playing a big game in Europe or something. There is a slightly different feeling you have going into it. And it's the same here, you know, that the 
there I, I don't think that really, it, it, that analogy doesn't really sum up my my career con you should be talking to somebody like uh <laughs> <laughs> somebody a bit more higher down, yeah, yeah, maybe, Cup, maybe, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but you get my drift that that it's it is a slightly um different and and you know there's because it's a world feed commentary there's a few things you have to do like you have to pause at certain points while certain channels are joining the broadcast and it might sound a bit strange to somebody who's listening all the way through kind of saying why is he pausing for 10 seconds there but that's what's happening um so it's uh, yeah it's been really enjoyable really enjoyable and the guys out here are great i was chatting to a guy who's out here i forget what sport he's covering actually but he's a nottingham forest fan and he was actually talking about keith foy you mentioned him earlier on um and his days at forest and uh, I was saying to him that Nottingham Forest should be paying Cove Ramblers money every year for stealing Roy Keane for 25,000 quid. And he was laughing um, and he agreed that Forest really do owe Cove Ramblers a lot. And um, New manager at Cove now, Con, sorry. Yes, George Ashton uh, yes. has moved on. Yeah, yeah, and Darren Murphy has come in. He's brought in the experience of Fran Rocket alongside him as well. So, and... Um, oh. I didn't know that actually. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So that's going to be a really interesting time now. They obviously have uh, Liffey Wanderers in the cup um, on Sunday. Yeah. So, yeah. It's. Uh, sorry to, to interrupt there. I should have mentioned yeah, there. No, no. Good luck to them. Yeah, yeah. No, we wish them all the best. And be- all the best to Stuart Ashton as well. I know we spoke to him before on the uh, podcast, and he's a good guy. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm going to miss my bus if I don't stop talking soon, Conan. <laughs> yeah, go on. Off you go, Con. Yes, we'll, uh, we'll wrap it. We'll Listen, wrap I'll, I'll talk to you next week, and, and um, it's going to be an interesting um, week ahead for the clubs in Europe and stuff. So, best of luck to all of them, and uh, best of luck to all the league and non league clubs who still have games to play in the cup uh, this weekend. And listen, you mind yourself another win for Liffey Valley Rangers uh, this week. So, you're fly- are you unbeaten since you joined them? <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> you call us Liffey Valley, River Valley Rangers, Con. <laughs> okay, right. I know it's early morning over there. You have to go catch It's only bus. half six in the morning. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Listen, uh, uh, best of luck to River Valley Rangers next week. Uh, just to answer that question, by the way, are you unbeaten since you started playing for them? Yes, unbeaten, yeah. Two wins and a draw. Uh, yeah, listen, the, the, the River Valley Ronaldo strikes again. Listen, um, I'll talk to you next week. And thanks a million to you for tuning in. Thanks to Chris Shields for joining us uh, earlier on. And... Uh, Have a good week. Mind yourself, Conan. Take care, Conan. All the best.